Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. My name is Dave Hanrady and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 57 of the No Encore Music Podcast. Colm O'Regan. Hello. Craig Fitzpatrick. Back, back, back. Woo! I wasn't going to give you that level of fanfare. Do it myself. Why not? How you doing? It's been hey, a hey, long two weeks. How have you been? <laughs> I've been at a wedding. I only leave the house these days to record podcasts or go to other people's weddings. How was it? Yeah, it was nice. It was really, it was beautiful. You know, the union of two people that are very much in love. Me sitting in one corner just watching it all unfold. <laughs> Wait a minute, that was a different night out. Um, no, it was good. It was good. It was. Um, Do you feel inspired now? I mean, like, like when's it going to be your turn, man? I know. Always I didn't the catch the bouquet. Made. I didn't Over catch here. the bouquet. Sadly, um, I got to a lot of weddings and never seemed to be asked to be the best man or a groomsman. So I don't know what the story is. They'll make guys. A, they'll they'll, they'll, <laughs> make, they'll make a movie about you, mate. They will. Yeah. Presumably starring Jennifer Garner or Catherine Heigl or somebody. I'm excited. As Craig. Yeah. I could see it. <laughs> they could do it, yeah. Come on, it's 2017. It's Jennifer time. kind of got your bone structure, yeah. Cool. Oh, thank you. I think it could work. That a, that's that's oh, a compliment. Oh, She's a Hollywood actress. Yeah. All right, cool. I'll take that. Yeah. Cullum, you and I went to a different kind of union. Very, very different. <laughs> where, uh, you know, we, we saw all kinds of emotional displays. And Charlie Sterling's arse again. Oh, God, it's getting ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Stop we... going to wrestling, lads. <laughs> well, I bought the ticket ages ago. <laughs> yeah. Did you have fun? Yeah, man. Yeah, great fun. Well, I didn't have as much fun. 
Yeah, because Dave is hung over to fuck. I, I hit it pretty hard in the whiskey. The Dave turned Good Friday into a great Friday. It was a good night. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Oh, was it? Yeah, your message on Good Friday was, I only have like a full bottle of whiskey for myself. <laughs> no, I was like, I only have two cans and three quarters of a bottle no, of whiskey. Like three quarters. Yeah. Full, uh, regular, so not a nagging. Wow. You know, and, yeah. uh, so yeah, I ended up going to a, a house party. What? And it was Yeah, it was good fun. And I mean, I, I but I recall, you know, the next day waking up and being like oh it's probably like you know nine in the morning and it was two i'd slept all the way through to the afternoon like a bear oh well it was easter yeah. all about rising so i vowed <laughs> to not drink at the wrestling yeah. as cullum drank at the wrestling yeah they actually ran out of beer because of how much you drank not, per- not personally i can't <laughs> Lads, take sole responsibility for this what's going on with you he's all right <laughs> i had a great night anyway i don't know about anyone else and you you abstained for all of the wrestling 100%. you watched all of the wrestling four hour show not only sober but kind of hung over still and kind of yeah like 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 going like perking up from a hangover sobering up. I, I was definitely still drunk when i woke up at two o'clock that day and i immediately said i don't, I don't think i'm gonna go but I went. Uh, it was myself, Cullum, and Brother Yosef. Brother Yosef. <laughs> Shout out to Brother Yosef. He was there. And uh, they were, you know, fucking getting it on, drink-wise, not with each other. What? Mm. Uh, in this really <laughs> hot building, and, you know, like, lots of sweat flying around, and I'm just there drinking water. And it was it was an experience, to say the least. What I will say, it though, was is worth there is a musical tie-in, though. I have to give a shout-out to uh, the Kings of the North, <laughs> the Northern Irish heel tag team, who are heels because they're from Northern Ireland. Because who knew that a terrible, terrible album from two years ago at this stage, which I gave a very scathing review to, could produce entrance music as good as this. That's the day is my enemy by Prodigy there, and yeah. you gotta say when that kick when that kicks in, and it's it's fucking cool, especially right? when it's complete with kind of like faux paramilitary drummers. Mm. And flames, there was flames, Craig. You're not selling it to me, lads. Not, no, no. Okay, th- then let me just pivot towards something else that should surely get your heart racing. The night of all nights, <laughs> the one that everyone in the music industry counts down to. Is it time again? It's that time, Dave. <laughs> It's the Ivory Novellos! Yay! Come on down! It's the big one. It's the big one. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to talk about here. (laughs) There is. They've just announced uh, their nominees for this year. Uh, Lots of Michael Kiwanuka, which is fair enough. You can see him being critics, darling. uh, Certainly at the big one. Yeah. You've got to have Michael in there. Also quite a bit of of Laura Mvula, who, despite her, as we discussed a few weeks ago, having been dropped by a record label. Well, this is obviously the only possible, like, like the greatest comeback imaginable. She's going to be on the (laughs) world stage in front of every eye imaginable. (laughs) The big one. It's the big it's one. It's the big one. Battling the mystery jets. She might win the big one. Uh, the Ivor Novellos, is a, they break down into strange categories. And the one that kind of jumps to me is most 
performed work. Yes. So I don't <laughs> quite understand this. Is this no, just, do they it. literally just tot up all the kind of royalties that have to go for like Presumably, playing stuff live? Yeah. And then, so it literally is just the most performed, or do they then decide from like the top percentage which are the best? It's between three songs, two of which are by Coldplay. Well, surely <laughs> if they have the numbers, they know who's number one immediately. Yeah. <laughs> or is it most performed live? Like, like I that's what I'm thinking. I don't get like, it. Yeah. Uh, Adele is in there as well. First of all, I know it's a big one, but it seems to come around about every like four or five weeks. The Ivor Novello. So we not constantly been talking about <laughs> how baffled we are by this whole. Th- Wait a minute, you're not disparaging no, the big one. Disparaging the big one. I just don't understand why it exists. Call him. Call him. <laughs> Defend the big one, please. It's the big one. Do you know it- who Ivor Novello was? Uh, obviously. <laughs> Do you call him? We've got a picture of him on the wall, don't we? <laughs> we don't. He was a Welsh guy. Right. Who wrote romantic musicals back in like the nineteen you know twenties and stuff, and he was kind of good looking. That was about it. Okay, he wrote uh, "Keep the Home Fires Burning." I think so. He got like big around World War One, and he was like a big pin up because he was all like smooth and okay, good cheekbones and, and stuff. Then, but twenty even, years later, Vera Lynn song, came in his, and stole a thunder. Yeah, his big song. I was checking like just home Wikipedia earlier on. Right, so the lyrics weren't by him which is right. just all you know of it. And the tune, it goes, used traditional tune from such and such. So he just, it was like a mashup. So the songwriting <laughs> awards know. are named after a man who just put no effort into songwriting. Yeah. Gary Barlow's won six of them. So you <laughs> know it, it's the big one. Yeah, that's, that's how you know it's the big one, don't you? Well, I, that, I can't wait. Yeah. Like, what, who do we think is going to be turning up, surprise and coming back, you know, like... I'm guessing Michael Kiwanuka and Laura and Vula will head it long. <laughs> They'll probably be there. Seeing as they're most of the nominated It's the big one, you know, they wouldn't want to miss it. <laughs> no, certainly not. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, uh, Dave's headphones are trying to spy on him. They're the best uh, headphones I've had in years. Following so I on knew from... it was too good to be fucking true, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Something was wrong. Yeah, following on from Kellyanne Conway's microwave, um, Bose have been accused of um, compiling information about the users of their wireless headphones, uh, what they're yeah. listening to, what sort of podcasts. What what exactly would show up in a psychological profile <laughs> of somebody who's been recently been listening to No Encore? Wow. Ooh, interesting. So some guy in Chicago has taken out this lawsuit, and he's saying that basically when you download, I don't know if you have this app connected with the headphones, but there's some, like, connect app. I don't have it. All right. Well, it gives you extra features, apparently, like being spied on. <laughs> Um, but he says he gave them all his details so he could connect to this app and now he's upset that they can get information <laughs> about him from it. Yeah. Um, so essentially his point in the lawsuit is that um, what if you were listening to, and he says this in the lawsuit, like um, an LGBT podcast or you had um, audio recordings of your Muslim um, called prayer stuff. And it's like, then you could be discriminated against. Like, what? You'd be a very progressive soul, I would say. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, like, presumably as well, like, in terms of compiling data and what you've been listening to. I mean, isn't that what every music service does now? Yes. I don't so, know. Am what I, Google does as well. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, this is nothing new. And I, I, I feel, like, I'm just going to say it, I don't think he's going to win. <laughs> no. I think the fact you have to sign up and give over your details and probably tick some, like, terms and conditions. Yeah, which no one ever reads. Yeah. Like, you know, look at all that text. No way. I'll just hit accept. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I want to get that are wireless we, going. Are man. we too blasé? Should we w- be worried about our like data being mined? Nah, li- life's too short to worry about terms and conditions, Craig. <laughs> it's it's like the, the app I use when I go running. You know, occasionally I run by the canal. By the canal, listen to uh, yeah. yeah albums. When, when you've got a gap in between work and weddings. I mean, I'm you know I'm sure that could be used to hunt me down, <laughs> like the, <laughs> like the dog that I am. Why do you use but, Why do you use an app? Why don't you just run? Because I don't know. It's, just, it's an easy timer. And it gives you the distance, so you know how how far you've run. Oh, okay. It's kind of handy. What's but I also figured out it's it kind. There's a slight lag in it, so if they do use it to catch me, if I get slightly fitter, I'll be able able to kind of you know outpace them. Sure. So I've got maybe a window of about a minute and a half before they'll be on me. I have this image of like a Terminator <laughs> robot running after Craig. <laughs> it's pretty good. I'm just saying I'm not that concerned. Be grand. And what's your average fitness here? Are you doing better? My average fitness. Your average... Good to medium. Good. <laughs> I don't know what. What's your body mass index? Oh, I don't know. Apparently, that's not <laughs> a, real, a real thing anymore. It's not a real thing. No. It's like all science. It just turns out it's none of it's true. You've done a lot of yoga, have you? I have, Go yeah. to some strange, like, cult-like settings, perhaps? Cult. Who knows? I don't know. Look, we don't see Craig. He doesn't socialize with us anymore. <laughs> the cult of like not believing in body mass indexes. He won't come indices. to our wrestling shows. I'll come to the next one, lads. Will you? Yeah, I might as well. Sure, I've been to one already. Yeah, it was you, good. Crack. Your bloodlust was satisfied. I enjoyed it. Yeah. That time you were like, I want to see a chair. I want to see chairs. And the bloke got split open. And Craig was like, oh. I felt quite bad, actually. Yeah, yeah as, we, as we left the building and we saw him in an ambulance. Oh, no, he wasn't in he an was. ambulance. He was. He was sitting outside the That was part of the show. That's just... <laughs> That was effects. Okay, well, look, I mean, it's been a strange week in the world of news. You might have guessed that there's not much going on. Um, I, I, I might have sounded like I was from D4 there. I don't you know were what talking about Ross always. Someone called me American last night. Fair enough. Did, how did you feel about that? Uh, I said that she was probably valid in, 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 like, in, in the positing of such a thing because I've been called American and posh since I was about five years of age. Well, do you know what? There's no shame in that. There's not, man. Well spoken, young man. It's not an affectation. And if it was, I've ran this far with it. <laughs> yeah, keep it going, brother. Keep it going. Uh, someone who... Uh, um, the link... It was There's no link. Just go. <laughs> There's no link someone here. Someone who is American. Someone like... who used to have a posh American accent. Uh, no, just go. Just go. Prince is back in the news. Yeah. New EP is now dropped. Um, well... It's, it dropped and then it was picked back up again and thrown <laughs> <Yeah>. away, <laughs> thrown into a vault somewhere. Um, yeah, so we're around the one year anniversary, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you made that great playlist, thank you very much. Yeah, it was. Um, I, I liked your words and all of that jazz. It was a good tribute, I thought. Oh, thanks, man. Um, Last but, week's episode, by the way, if you don't know what we're talking about. Yes, indeed, check it out. Um, but there's another tribute that was trying to be paid in the form of an EP being released um, by engineer, collaborator of his, George Ian Boxall. It was stuff he'd been working on with Prince. Seems to mainly be called from about a decade or so ago. Um, and he kind of, he held on to copies himself. Like, this wasn't stuff that went into the, you know, infamous vault. We haven't really heard much of um, as yet, much from. Uh, this was just stuff he had himself. And he kind of took it upon himself to put it together. And he was releasing it. Um, well, it should have been out by now. One song was dropped. And then as you say, a skirmish, Dave. Yeah, a skirmish. I mean, like, it's this kind of thing where I'm glad to see it happen, though, because, I mean, a big thing that we talked about around the time of Prince's passing was, will he now lose all of his mystery, all of the privacy that he appeared to fight so hard for? And, I mean, you don't necessarily want the floodgates to be open like this. And I mean, like, quite frankly, we have enough. And I'm not saying I never want to hear 
an unearthed Prince track, but I'm always very wary when it comes to posthumous releases. Same with Bowie when some stuff came out after he passed away. I, I don't want to hear any more like like new material from from artists who have made their own choices and kind of deliberately put out works that they feel were good enough for public consumption and reflected them as an artist. I mean, like who who knows? I mean, like for all we know, these could be tracks that he thought were terrible and. Like, there's no way of knowing now. Like, you got one person's word for it, and yeah. quite frankly, I'm more than happy with what we got from Prince in his career. And I like, I just find that this is always a shady area, and it it doesn't necessarily ever really add to an artist's kind of legacy. If anything, it, it detracts. Yeah, I mean, if it if it is a nice move, I will say, well, it's kind of just the Prince estate saying, no, we want control. So again, we're going to run into problems further down the road where they're picking what they think Prince would have wanted to be put out. Now, maybe they were closer to him. You would hope so, um, certainly. But um, yeah, I mean, we heard one track. I don't know if you guys took a listen while it was still up. Yeah, to yeah, yeah. Uh, wasn't really doing a huge amount for me. No. Um, it was from an interesting time kind of in his career where he did have a bit of a comeback on the back of musicology. So people were excited once again. And he reached some decent stuff after that. But this was one of his kind of still very gospel tinged yeah. um, with kind of a guitar workout and quite right on, you know, taking a social look at things. But a bit bland, really, wasn't yeah. it? It was a bit bland. Yeah. It was a bit workmanlike. And it, it felt like almost unfinished or something like it didn't feel like well this is a polished release yeah it certainly didn't feel like okay here's the kind of cream of the crop of like you know such a prolific guy that just decided not to put out stuff he thought would probably be hit singles but just couldn't be arsed I mean this wasn't the kind of grand premiere of that kind of stuff it came right around like planet earth which as you'll recall he gave away free with the mail on Sunday yeah so you you know (laughs) the height of his creativity may not have been but uh, yeah I mean like you say I suppose you know it's, it's good if uh, the control of Prince's music and Prince's creativity is kind of, you know, kept the way that he would have wanted. You worry that, you know, if the price is right, that's going to be compromised. But what can you do? Really? Not that much. Well, not that much. We can't do anything about it. Yeah. No. I'll we... probably listen to it all as well, which is, you know. Oh, yeah, of course. Nice, just spit in the man's face. Part, that's of, the problem. Part of the problem. Is that our job? Does that make us spit on the does that, make us, does, that, does that make us musical gravediggers? Of course, yeah. yeah. But that's but, part of journalism, isn't it? I guess. Talk to anybody who works in newspapers. Dig, dig, dig. Follow the money. Like. <laughs> no, I know, no, I know people who like work in newspapers, and they're just like you know, obviously, like you know, it's very sad and all, but like you know, wars are great for business. The bleeds it leads. Yeah. Wow. Well, on that note, <laughs> another non-linkable thing. Uh, on the encore, we like to celebrate Irish music, and you know, kind of of a worthy nature a couple of weeks ago I had the chance to catch up with the name or, oh, sorry I'm going to do that again a couple of weeks ago I had the chance to catch up with Josh from a band by the name of Elenkis they're from Galway they make great metal it sounds like this And my interview with Josh sounds like this. Okay, okay. so delighted to be joined by Josh from Elenkis. Josh, uh, you just told me that you're a big TV buff, so... Well, uh, uh, yeah, I wouldn't like to make too, <laughs> too grandiose claims, but I like to watch TV shows. Well, I'm going to put you on the spot now Okay, and ask for your top three favourite TV shows. Oh, God. God, I hadn't prepared anything. No, like yeah, see, there you go. That's what I do, top, man. My top shows... Um, God, well, I, I'll just tell you, like, what I've watched in the last year or so. Not what no. I asked, but okay. Well... Oh, God damn, this is difficult. No, I'm just going to go top three. Okay, so X-Files is in there, because I love X-Files. And Twin Peaks. 
that's got to be in there as well. Yeah, absolutely. And now I'm just on a total classic TV buzz, and I might as well stay there and put in like The Wire or something. Nice, nice. But, I mean, good they're choices. Pretty, they're, yeah, but yeah. they're classics, you know. But there are some great uh, recent shows like The Leftovers. Have you seen that? I love The Leftovers, that's man. Thank really you so much show. because like I feel like no one's watching it. Nope. And I know there's only one more season to go, and I'm kind of happy with that. Yeah. But I feel like it has no right to be as good as it is. No, and there was an episode in the last series which I think was. Like, I know what you're going to say. You know, the, you know International Assassin, the ninth yeah, episode, yeah, yeah. unbelievable. That was just blew my mind. Unbelievable. <laughs> and both seasons have ended like with this this note of just kind of like I'm just like this heart stopping moment of like almost joy, and you're like fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's so it really yeah man, I love that show. It is a great show. I think it's brilliant. Another good show which. Probably people won't agree it is uh, it's called Banshee. Have you ever heard of Banshee? Uh, a friend of mine raves about it, and I've yet to go there. It's I know like it's, it's shocky, trashy, yeah. <laughs> like trashy crap. But it's I just found it really entertaining. Deadly, so deadly. Do check it out. How do you feel about the upcoming Twin Peaks revival? Uh, I am uh, not too sure about it. You know, remakes always going to be a little bit of a weird thing. But you know, I'm a massive Twin Peaks fan, so I'm going to watch it. That's for sure. Yeah, I feel like with Lynch and Frost both on board and like doing the whole thing themselves yeah, yeah. and kind of fighting so hard for their cast, their budget, their everything. Like, and it's the first thing he's made in over ten years. So I'm yeah. I'm, I'm optimistic. I mean, of course, yeah. I think returning to the well is always dangerous. But yeah, well, X Files really proved that. See, me? I never really I, I, X Files to me was a TV show when I was younger. Like, I'd see the odd episode, okay, yeah. and I tried to get into it about. 10 years ago and I thought that it looked dated then <laughs> yeah. and I don't think I can go back uh, you gotta just get past that you know <laughs> it's, like, it's, like go, it's like I'm going back watching Homicide Life on the Street you know it looks so dated but you gotta just get your mind into that mind frame yeah. like it's even the wire looks dated and I'm what was I like six or seven <laughs> you know? but uh, yeah but no, great you show. can appreciate the nuance more uh, the reason Josh is here today is because he's in Dublin his band Elenkis who are a fantastic metal band from Galway I'm a big fan uh, you are recording a music video which of course will be recorded by the time this episode goes out but what is the plan because you've you know you've been quite adventurous with your music videos in the past yeah well this is actually something completely different we're doing like a live studio video so this is not like um, a PR stunt video like uh, Over the Fire was <laughs> which I would shamelessly say it was a PR stunt uh, so, no, this is just, uh, we're going to play the whole of the EP Hunger um, and then just put out some live videos because, you know, I, I'm a promoter as well. So um, something I always really like to see from band, if I'm checking them out, if I want to put on a gig or whatever for them, is to see what they're like live. So really for that, you either need a really, really well-recorded live video from a gig, which is often very difficult to get because, one, you know, the sound is difficult and the cameras and everything. Uh, so we we figured we'd do like a studio session. So we're going in and we're just going to play the record uh, in its entirety and uh, just release that over the next few months, I guess. Very good. You mentioned Over the Fire, Under the Smoke there, uh, yeah. the PR stunt. But, I mean, like, <laughs> for anyone who hasn't seen that video, first of all, check it out. But also, it's essentially one take of you walking through Galway. Well, it wasn't me personally. Oh, sorry, not you personally. No, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, 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 it's Chris um, from the band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I mean, it. like, for him, like, I mean, was that, like, who suggested this and who was kind of like... <laughs> well... I don't know. We, we've debated over whose idea it was, but I'm pretty sure it was my idea. So he's walking through the streets. <laughs> he's walking through the streets and he's basically screaming along to the song. Yeah, Seven yeah. minutes of it. I guess, like... Everyone's just looking at him like he's fucking escaped some yeah, kind of lunatic exactly. asylum. So, so there's kind of two aspect, or two ways of looking at it. One, one was just, like, you know, the real basic uh, conceptual idea for the video where, like, you know, have you ever just walked down the street with your headphones on really loud and been like, you know, I'd really just love to like get into this music and really just scream, scream along to it or whatever. Yes, the answer and is yes. Yeah, like <laughs> any, anyone who's a metalhead has, has done that, you know. So 
there was that side of it, um, you know, uh, of uh, just performing it. But the, there was a, another kind of more, um, I guess, um, kind of intellectual side of it. I don't want to sound pretentious, but it was like, you know, for us uh, in, in Ireland, particularly in a market where, you know, uh, heavy music and metal and stuff like that isn't always that well received or isn't um, isn't really that kind of common you know you don't see it in hot press that often yeah, and yeah. Um, you know in the mainstream media that much so there was an element of uh us being like you know this is what we do and we're absolutely proud of it and we're just going to go out and do it in the street and you're going to have no choice whether to listen or not <laughs> it's there do you know what i mean uh so there was a kind of element of that to it as well so was the track was there music being played or was it just him shouting Oh, the music's played on the, on his headphones. On his headphones, yeah, but, yeah. but for people who are like seeing him walk down the street, no, no, like, no, it's just complete normal day, middle okay. of summer in Galway. People yeah, it, it looked very kind of festival atmosphere in terms yeah. of like the amount of people on the streets, and again, like everyone's looking, people are like come, trying to mug for the camera, and yeah. like there's just that kind of you know, like again, because to be fair, it's like you see you see anything out of the ordinary when you walk down the street, you can't help but crane your neck and just no, look at of course, it. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, it was hilarious to shoot. Like it was <laughs> one of the funniest experiences of my life. Like you know, because we had this like line of us, so. So Chris is at the back, say, you know, walking down the street, and then there's the camera facing him, and then my brother, who's the drummer in the band, was uh, kind of guiding the cameraman because the cameraman's walking backwards. So my brother's, like, got his hands on his shoulder, guiding him back, and then I'm behind him again, like, just kind of funneling people out of the way because, you know, like, there was a couple of close calls where we nearly, like, you know, knocked down a child or, you know, something like that. Uh, But it was just this, like, weird posse of us, and, you know, after we shot it, people were like what the hell is that what what are you guys doing and there's like a guy coming up he's like it's just like a call out video for like a wrestling match or something like that and we were like no man, it does look like that music video. to be fair you, like, I, like, I, I, I could definitely see that I mean was this totally gorilla did you have to obtain permission or were you like fuck uh, that let's just do it no we just did it we just okay. did it yeah yeah well, hopefully that doesn't land you in any kind of uh, hot no, water no I mean like we haven't um we yeah we didn't uh, we didn't ask anyone's permission or, or get sign any forms or anything, uh, which is lucky because there's a lot of people in the video, and if we would have had to try and find them, it would have been uh, very yeah, difficult. Yeah, it's a lot of faces to digitize as but well. Yeah, I mean, if anyone wants to to sue us, you know, we're here. Come on, bring it on. <laughs> you mentioned like you know metal and kind of not getting a lot of mainstream publicity and that kind of thing, and I feel yeah. like a lot of bands kind of support the scene themselves. Like you know, I know you're tight with Bitch Falcon amongst other kind of acts. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like, yeah, like, do you think? I mean, like you know, like like there is a negative perception of metal. I mean, like, I, I think, you know, it's obviously, it's not palatable for everyone's ears. Yeah, I mean, I could rant about this for ages. Do. So, um, you, you got but, the mic, man. Go for it. But no, I mean, like, uh, okay, well, first of all, I think the culture in Ireland for heavy music has not been uh, great over the last number of years. So, you know, uh, you've got, like, a lot of, like, small scenes and uh, guys who are, like, really into the underground kind of ideals of it. And that's that's totally fine. And, you know, like, where we're from, Galway is, like, punk, hardcore scene. That's what, you know, was in Galway for years. And that's kind of where we came from. And that's great. And in Dublin, you've got, like, a metal scene. And a lot of these, these kind of small scenes don't really want um, that much attention from the mainstream. They're not bothered about it. They're just, like, guys, they just want to play music and do their thing. And that's totally fine. I totally understand that. Uh, um, attitude you know and then so uh, so the kind of metal bands and stuff that were like in you know in the culture a lot of the time they were more generic they were more like you know old school thrash bands or whatever like um, you know the bands that were pushing themselves were probably a little bit more generic than the bands that were like in the underground and more exciting doing more interesting stuff they're just like 
they don't care. They're like, do their own thing. You know, I'm going to stay over here and we can play to the same, you know, 100 people every six months or whatever. Uh, so I, I feel like, you know, publicly, you know, or in the media, the a lot of the quality of the music wasn't really coming across. So, you, you know, like for, for your average Joe, when you say, oh, I, I, well, when I say like I'm in a metal band, you know, the first thing that comes into their head is like, oh, Metallica. Yeah. You know, and they're like imagining this whole like 80s thing or like metal kind of stereotype, you know, which is uh, which is not true, you know. Uh, so I think uh, I think that needs to change. And, uh, and I think by like people who are in the scene these days making an effort to kind of get out and push ourselves um, out there into different outlets and, and um, really show people what, what we're doing and not, not to be afraid of it. I mean, like, you know, it's almost like taboo to say like, oh, you know, I, I'd, I'd like to make a living out of, out of playing music in a, in a metal band or something, you know, and it's like, that's crazy. That's crazy. Like, you know, why, why is it, you know, taboo to say that where, you, you know, you say, oh, well, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to make my career as a plasterer. And that's like, almost like, oh, cool. Well done, mate. You it's know? a trade. It's a recognized yeah, exactly. trade, whereas yeah, yeah. music is, is still uh, like a lot of people like, you know, we, we, we talk big in this country about, about the arts and how Ireland is full of all these creators and poets and, you know, painters and musicians. And mm-hmm. yet getting support for these people seems to be such a battle. It is. And it, there's like a thing people always say about making art in Ireland is it's not till you leave the country until you go somewhere else that um and you get recognition somewhere else that people in at home will start to take you seriously <laughs> and, and I, I think that's true I mean uh, it, might, it might be a sad thing in some ways but in another way it's good because you do need people to drive and to push on and to get out there now maybe we can make it a little bit easier for them that's kind of where I would come at it because I'm you know as I said I'm a promoter I run a promotion company in Galway that the, the pretty much only showcases heavy acts and that's Mm -hmm. the way I've always wanted to do it because you know I wanted to give those acts like a good venue to play in like so we're you know we're working with the Roisin Dove for years and they've got like a really good reputation so then you know that bleeds into us as well and and then into the bands and like my whole uh, philosophy on it is to try and legitimize these bands a little bit more you know, show them that they can they can make money at their gigs. They can successfully go out there. They can put out records. And we we've just launched this small label with um, with Feast. Sorry, I should have said that Feast is the name of the promotion company and the record label uh, that we're launching. But you know, the, and that's the same thing. We're just getting our website up, and it's it's all about like a platform. You know, somewhere where people can go and see like, wow, there's this great stuff going on in Ireland. It's presented really nicely. You know, these guys know what they're talking about. Like a lot of the time we are having to coach the bands through like, you know, you know, maybe rewrite your bio, man. Or like, why have you not got a band camp or, you know, th- this kind of stuff. Reach but, out to a music journalist to write your bio for you. I, I, I do good rates. <laughs> well, good. Good to know. Um, but, uh, but you know, so, so it's all that kind of stuff. Like I'm, I'm kind of taking it on as, a, as a, a little bit of a quest to try and just help heavy bands in in ireland to uh to get more exposure and to um just further themselves that's really. a very healthy attitude to have though i mean link has been around for a little while now i mean you, you know you've around since about six seven years at this stage yeah, and 2010 yeah and you like you put out two full lengths followed by the hungry ep so like i mean it's good to kind of find a new territory i suppose as opposed to just kind of being like annoyed at the at how slow the move the scene can be i mean like, like you do get victories i mean like Chris and Gannon family have just won the choice music prize and yeah you like even on like their record there's lyrics about how their parents don't recognize their music as like a commodity yeah but yeah, you know yeah. little things like that or i suppose big things like that and like do make a difference but it's just it's kind of a shame that like it, 
it, it's for certain bands who have a more niche variety. You really do got to kind of take it to the people as hard as you can. And like, okay, gig wise, I mean, like I know we talked off mic there about Dillinger Escape Plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we're big fans. Yes, uh, we've seen them live. I think we we're both the same gig apparently twice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which one did you prefer, the Village in two thousand eight or the Academy in twenty eleven? Uh, I thought they were both amazing, but like the village to me was just like what? I, I almost didn't go to that show. Me and my friends were working in Drada. We were living in Drada at the time, and like we were both feeling sick that day. And at okay. one point, we were not going. Yeah. At one point, like we had actually made a decision to not go, and we were we were only kind of new into them. Like I, I kind of knew them from when I was in school, and like one of the guys at Calculating Infinity. Mm-hmm. My friend Dave, uh, I played a milk lizard one day, and he just lost his fucking mind. Oh, really? So and then this guy got announced. We were like, well, we got to go. Yeah, yeah. But then we found ourselves in the pub after work, watching like a United Arsenal game, and just being like fuck it will we go like yeah, we get the bus it's an hour long bus we'll go up and man I am so happy I made that decision yeah, that yeah. gig was unfucking believable but so, sometimes it's things like that that really like and I'm not trying to be like dramatic but they do change your life you mm-hmm, know you don't mm-hmm. really know like I mean uh, how like an experience like that can really impact you years down the line um, I remember that show particularly well because it was my brother Rory who I talked about a minute ago it was his 18th birthday uh, just about I think about like three days after that show and we were you know like all of us in the band were really into Dillinger at the time and um, you know we'd got him tickets for the show for his birthday even though he was only 17 when it was on (laughs) and lo and behold we got there and the security wouldn't let him in and he'd never got to see them on on that run so that was really shit so yeah the rest of us went in and uh if I remember right, we just drank loads of whiskey and we uh, we just went crazy in the pit. But it was like it was so intense. It was a very very intense show. And yeah, it was amazing. For me, that was like a bit of an eye opener at like how intense a gig can be, you know. Um, but which one was better? I think I prefer that one. But I had a really good time at the second one as well particularly because uh, Greg just gave me the mic and I got to do some vocals. Nice. It was like a total nice. fanboy moment, you know. But like, I actually had that. I'm not a singer, I'm a drummer, uh, okay. but and I cannot sing. Uh, <laughs> but I had a moment like that at a, a Converge show uh, oh, in cool. Whelan's where like myself and my friend, we were kind of up the front and we, we were kind of like, let's hang back and watch it, but that just can't happen at that kind of a gig, especially in Whelan's. Yeah, yeah. And we found ourselves at the front and we were like holding on to the band's monitor amps, like one for dear life and two because they kept moving. So like they were, they, they were standing on our fingers, uh, presumably as, as a way of thanking us. Yeah. Guys were jumping off the fucking stage. One guy like came down on the top of my head. Like, like I was like, "That's a broken neck for sure." That's me done. Jesus. Yeah, we're just like crowd surfing it's from chaos, like, the man, first yeah. minute to the last minute. But Jacob, Jacob Bannon like passed the mic around during um, "Worms Will Feed, Rats Will Feast." Oh, awesome! Yeah, and it, there's a video cool. online, and you can look it up, and you get to hear me shout <laughs> into the the last bit of the song. And I kind of nailed it. Nice, <laughs> I nice, nailed nice. It. That's awesome. But Converger, I think, are another band that we kind of uh, like agree on. I, I saw that you recently yeah. did a feature with the Thin Air, uh, where you're showing off your vinyl collection. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you got like a nice copy of Jane Doe in there. Yeah, that, that's like the um, I bought a few years ago. It's like a double LP. Uh, blue vinyl it's gorgeous beautiful uh but yeah they're they're one of uh one of my favorite bands as well they're they're great i mean i'm kind of getting to this point now where like with um you know like all these bands that are similar to elenkis where i'm like uh, you know i'm i'm bored of being compared to them and sorry <laughs> no no it's fine i mean it's a natural thing you know it, it happens all the time but i kind of just like i don't want to talk about I don't always want to talk about like the bands that people expect us to sure. talk about. It's like you know, we I did um, a piece for the interview or for the advertiser in Galway last week, and we were talking about some of the inspiration for Hunger and the lyrics behind that. And I just kind of in conversation mentioned FKA Twigs because she was like uh, a really just like obscure <laughs> reference for uh, for some of the uh, inspiration for the idea of the record. And the interviewer was like, FKA Twigs? Like, what are you talking about? You know, like that's I would have never guessed that, you know. So 
I'm trying to uh, steer a little bit away. Well, from is that like, because is that because Hunger kind of deals with the aspect of like writing it from different characters' point of view? Yeah, it, it was. It was more to do with um, kind of duality. Um, and I mean, I could actually be wrong in the way that I've um, uh, judged her lyrics and stuff, but uh, I know particularly a couple of tracks that. The way I perceived it was that she was uh, singing this really beautiful, soulful music and like really beautiful voice and everything. But the words that she was actually saying were kind of like violent and quite yeah, like, dark yeah, and yeah. and stuff. And I just loved that idea. I loved that kind of juxtaposition between the light and the dark. So um, that's kind of what the inspiration for like having such like flowery lyrics on hunger was you know so we got like lines like i love you honey bunny and stuff like that so that was like kind of the inspiration for that it was like let's do really 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 intense music and let's pair that with something that's like not like that yeah that's cool i mean well first of all have you seen mr robot to go back to tv for a second i have seen mr Robot. you won't listen you you won't hear two weeks by fk twigs the same way again (laughs) after using that show but also i'm wondering like goes back to that kind of american psychopathy bateman thing of you know people don't let's re-listen to the lyrics but they should but for you like that's an even harder sell because of the style of of, of vocals in in, in Lankus. and it's like and I guess like you know in order for someone to really kind of you know like I'm all about like you kind of talk about interpretation there and like you know, like, like looking at her lyrics and being like have I got this right I've written fucking a thousand word reviews and like on people where I'm like I think they're saying this and like I live in fear of <laughs> yeah, yeah, them yeah. coming along somehow on Twitter or something and just going no 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 you're completely wrong yeah, yeah. because that would just shatter me but like but that I, I live for subtext I mean yeah. like I love subtext music I love kind of going on my own quest my own kind yeah. of journey and just running with it but I feel like like I couldn't just like you know like like tell you what you know hunger is about but I'm sure it's different to you that it will be to me and that it will be exactly. to someone and who hears it that's kind of the point you know I mean I think you put one intention in when you make something and that's fine that's your intention that's what it's meaning is to you and that's why you made it um but i that i think you're absolutely right that's what the beauty of of interpretation is is like you know you can take a lot of different things you know because i used to be like a massive tool fan when i was a teenager and you know i, I remember like a few years later being like oh that's not the lyric at all you know <laughs> and it's like, i've been singing that for years <laughs> i think everyone has those moments i, I i'm pretty sure like people has I was going to say spell but people sing Smells Like Teen Spirit all wrong all the time yeah like you're just like what's he saying in that chorus Uh, two other perfect circle by the way if you had to pick one oh god you're asking me difficult questions today. Um, Journalist, man. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> tool or a perfect circle? Tool. It has to be tool. Perfect circle for me. Really? Yeah. 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 Like it's a hard, it's Sophie's choice. Yeah. But like, I mean, <laughs> oh, I, just, I, mean, I love it. Three Libras alone. That song yeah, yeah. is fucking... Um, but they only have like two decent records. Really. Yeah, although they're working on a new one. Yeah. Um, apparently coming out. And it, so like, are Tool, apparently. Yeah, like, well, who the <laughs> fuck knows? I mean, like, like I've heard that. It, like, yeah. that's, that's like the Chinese democracy, like, in yeah. Frank Ocean shit it's right like there. Where, like, joke, yeah. It's definitely happening. Tool are working on a new album. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, you mentioned as well, like, you know, coming over from Galway, that uh, it was Ed Sheeran Mania over there at the moment. Yeah, God. <laughs> like, that lad, like... Um, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I was in. I was working yesterday, and you know, one of my colleagues came up, and she was like, "Oh, did you did you see Ed Sheeran's in town? Like, blah blah. blah. He's in O'Connell's." And I was like, "So what? Like, I mean, I, I I'm not a I'm not a fan of Ed Sheeran. You know, whatever. Like, but just that level of hysteria for for anybody for me is is kind of crazy. But I mean." Yeah, whatever. Let him let him at it. You so know? Galway girl hasn't actually earned a backlash over there. If anything, it's uh, in Galway. Yeah, um, I don't know. I'd say there's probably a lot of cynical assholes like me who are like, <laughs> yeah, fucking fuck that guy. Um, but then, yeah, there's a lot of of um, of uh, people 
who uh, who probably love it and they're they're really happy that Guy is being promoted. He shot his video on Shop Street as well. There you go. Yeah, that's yeah. what he was doing last. So night. he stole your idea. He basically stole our idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you went from two full length albums to an EP. What was the decision there? Well. Uh, our our full lengths were a lot of work and they're very diverse and they're very different Um, like not just from Hunger but within the records they really change from like you know proggy post-rock bits to um, mathcore bits and they're kind of like all over the place like that that's how I see them Uh, so we particularly wanted to um, really focus our sound uh, so we were just like, let's just write something short and sweet where we can't mess around too much, <laughs> you know, and we'll just uh, get, uh, you know, basically it was more of like a concept idea, like the same way with the lyrics and everything where we were just like, like I haven't got into it, but the lyrics are a story, you know, and we were just like, let's um, let's just like work on this one piece. So it was actually written as one piece of music. Like for us, it's easier to write like a one minute 15 or one 15 minute song than it is uh, to write like, you know, three or four or five minute songs or whatever. So we wrote this 15 minute song and we were like, okay, well we can chop it there, chop it there and chop it there. And it's four songs. Um, but yeah, I think the main drive uh, for it was that we wanted to write something that was fun to play live because we had like half of our songs were like really intense and lots of energy and then the other half were kind of slower, more uh, chilled out, uh, you know, which are also fun. But the, the fast stuff was really what we were, the fast, heavy stuff. We were like, this is so fun. We enjoy it so much, you know, and really like, you know, when you're ma- making music for, for yourself a lot of the time, you really just want to enjoy yourself. You want to enjoy what you're doing and have fun and so that's really why we did that very good uh, well hunger is a fucking beast man I absolutely love it well, thank you very much uh, I guess to wrap up what I would ask you is a question I've been asking people kind of lately and I'm probably going to make a thing of it it's a really unfair question especially okay. with no prep but okay. if for whatever reason you were you know, abducted and the torture that you were experiencing was for someone to make you listen to the same song for 24 hours a day yeah, one day of it just one and you know bathroom breaks permitted and you know the odd bit of food yeah. here and there but you got to listen to one song on repeat for 24 hours what are you going with oh god um <laughs> I'm going to go with a Neil Young song. Uh, but what song? What song? That voice for 24 hours. I like Neil Young, but I don't know. Yeah, well, like you see, I just listen to so much Neil Young anyway, there just wouldn't be that much of a change. All right. Uh, let's go for the needle and the damage done. All I'm right. Not, 24 hours. A great song. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. I mean, I'm going to be gloomy as fuck after that. <laughs> uh, Josh Malenkis, thank you so much for coming yeah, to No Encore. Thank you, Dan. Thank Cheers, you sir. Man. So that's Josh from Alenkis there. Thank you for your time, man. They're well worth checking out if you're into the Dillinger escape plan and that kind of thing. I know he's going to hate me for saying that, but, you know, I just did. <laughs> Deal with it, mate. All right, let's go for some new tracks from this week. And the title track from Lana Del Rey's forthcoming album has arrived. This is what it sounds like. Gotta dance till we die. Yeah, as Craig had predicted, and I think as many people expected, uh, The weekend pops up to uh, repay the favour, I guess, uh, for Lana Del Rey's cameo on his record. Uh, that is the title track of the album Lost for Life. What do you reckon? I think we 
it happened already, but like it's finally time if if if, if it wasn't already to accept that Lana Del Rey or the Lana Del Rey character is never going to stop talking about Hollywood. <laughs> like it's in the first lyric of this song. Yeah. Uh, I believe the kind of the one of the accompanying images is them sitting on the Hollywood sign or something. So you know, um, it's there's no point in kind of being like <laughs> there's no point. There's no point in, in kind of like being like, oh man, really? Like like it's very set in stone at this stage. Yeah, uh, I've always been a bit of a land array skeptic, and I really like this song. Okay, I think it works very well. I think it does the land array thing. Uh, a lot better than some of her other kind of more hailed works. I will maintain the video games is not, no. a, not a good song. Ridiculous. And, it's a great uh, song. Uh, as, I actually quite like that song now, I must say. As far as uh, The weekend as well, like coming off the back of a bloated record, which had highlights, but they were unfortunately you know drowned out by so much filler. Mm. He sounds great on this as well. I was about to say, he, he sounds brilliant. And like Lana Del Rey was, I mean, it's not necessarily her fault, but you know, it was kind of a throwaway cameo. On the weekend's album, yeah, she added kind of slight different dimension without it being a really substantial what you call a song. She, she yeah. had more to do on the previous record, "Beauty Behind the Madness," on the track "Prisoner." Yeah, um, yeah. but I do think they work well together, and I sure. think that you know, in this kind of lullaby, dreamlike, but I, I, th- I think in terms of the exchange of like these last albums, she's definitely come out on top in oh, terms yes. of his contribution here. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. But they, like, they, they, they seem to kind of be simpatico musically mm. in a strange way. I mean, they, it's almost it, it, they kind of represent two sides of LA or something like, like some kind of like uh, in, in this kind of strange excess where she's a bit more ethereal and he's a bit more, you know, Canadian. Um, I guess, yeah, <laughs> good point. <laughs> but like, you know, but it's all like this kind of like you know this Hollywood excess. Yeah, no, no, like, no, I get like, you. Like in the Hollywood Hills and this kind of shite. But like, like which you know, the more the weekend does that kind of thing, the, the less you kind of find them interesting. I guess Lana Del Rey is you know, that kind of Twin Peaks kind of thing going on. And yeah. it, it, it is what it is. And, I, and I, I I find that, like, it works for me sometimes. It doesn't work for me other times. I, I know one of our friends, Josh, thinks she's a very underrated artist. And uh, I think that's an interesting way of looking at it. But this is really good. I think this has really good command. I think the hooks are, are strong. I think it gets to the point quickly. Uh, I think it's got very good replay value. And I think it's very well put together. I, I, I think as these kind of lush cinematic, you know, sweeping arrangements go, it's yeah. It's a hit for me. Yeah, you see, this is the thing. I, I do like the arrangements, but I'm not sure if they suit her vocal style. I mean, like, I, I'm not a big fan. I am a skeptic, as as you described yourself, Dave. And I just feel as though, you know, like when there's so much going on, that sort of whispered intimacy just kind of gets lost for me. Mm. Um, I think that's why, you know, it probably fares best when it goes to big hooks and indeed when it goes to the voice of, of Abel, who is a uh, big Abel, um, who, who, who really does contribute a lot to this track, probably saves yeah. it, to be perfectly honest. I will just confirm, Dave, you, by Josh, you didn't mean Father John Misty, who also defends her to the ends <laughs> of the earth. And our friend Josh Hughes and go. our other friend... Josh Tillman. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, I, I quite like this as well. I mean, following on from the last track we got, I think she is pushing forward a bit. Um, maybe not so much aesthetically with well, this. Well, I mean, people are shocked that on the album cover, she's smiling. Yeah. There's a lot of positivity, I think, um, around her at the moment. And I think she's kind of grown up a bit. I mean, she still is making those big cliched references, which she is never going to stop doing. I mean, even in this song, she's now you know become self-referential where she's quoting old songs of hers so it's just going to become an, an absolute i don't know clusterfuck <laughs> <laughs> but no, i know i do think she's getting somewhere and she was talking about this record and how initially she was planning on it being a kind of 50s and 60s Shang- shangri-las or joan Baez oh, type thing and i was just like my god that would have been everyone's like fucking worst nightmare but then 
the climate of like the political situation in the US and things around that she said she just kind of started thinking tractor through- kicking and screaming into the 60s <laughs> late 60s <laughs> post JFK getting shot <laughs> but then she thought no she wanted to do something that appealed more to her younger fan base and actually try and say something and I think she is kind of trying to say something a bit I mean she just got back from dancing at Coachella and she wrote a song about Donald Trump mm. that she posted on Instagram so that's about as good as you can expect from Lana Del Rey in terms of you know if you she's not going to go full Bob Dylan but this is true. <laughs> never go full Bob Dylan <laughs> but I liked it and I agree I think um, The weekend works well where they, they kind of they dip into each other's universe as well and kind of um, yeah raise raise them kind of as characters even more so yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to what she ends up doing over the whole LP okay um, let's go for a band that have kind of like some bands kind of stand the test of time in a strange way they kind of like hang on after like their genre or their kind of fad or their scene or whatever you know, like dies out a little bit one of those bands is Paramore who have returned with hard times let's have a listen Gentlemen, I am not in the slightest bit surprised that you've time for Paramore. I bet you had a massive crush on Hayley Williams years ago. First, oh. first of all, I never said I had time for Paramore. Second of all, I did not have a crush on Hayley Williams. And third of all, <laughs> sexist. I would say they had two okay songs. Oh, so he did like them. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. No, Misery Business is a That sort of emo oh, yeah, punk tune, yeah. style thing. <laughs> Misery Business is a tune. I'll bet you own the, early albums. No, I never, no? I, I never, I never wow. hopped on board the Paramore train. Good I, job. Uh, I, I think they, they did a track for like, of all things, the Twilight soundtrack called De- Decode, which I quite liked. Good drums in it. That sounds horrendous. And they had one song called Emergency that was okay, but that's about it. I never heard a full album from start to finish. It was never quite my thing. Uh, I felt a bit too old for the emo thing while okay. it was happening, and I kind of pinned my uh, colors to the My Chemical Romance mast anyway. Well, a, is this going with, to change your mind? With a bit of Fall Out Boy in, in, in there. Uh, no, it's not. Um, because this is Tropical Popical, baby. Uh-huh. And it's fine. Like I, I, I think it's pleasant. I found it enjoyable. I think it totally works for what it is. But what it is, is a bit naff. Yeah, um, I think it's probably the best thing they've ever done. Just because I can actually listen the whole way through. But LaRue wants her royalties, essentially. I mean... Woo-hoo. Really, oh, does. she's going to be splitting them with a lot of people, man. <laughs> you know it's what? True. This is Alpha Beast. Oh, on, if you remember them, this fascination. Is, yeah, oh. this is Mr. Wives or another American band saying exactly like this. Is it wrong that I kind of like it? Uh, well, there you go. It's a seductive sound, but don't go into the light. But I mean, you see, just... this is the thing. I mean, like as well as everything that it, you know, very much sounds like, and that's partially because of the vocals. Um, you know, I mean, like the, the guitar. In the chorus, like that's just Noel Rogers. That's getting yeah, lucky. It is. Yeah, it's just um, the middle eight is literally just talking heads once in a lifetime. Those swirly synths. Oh, it okay. could be sampled. It's the exact same. Um, it's opening with like marimbas, like it's fucking Lionel Richie. Um, but this is really just kind of like not a pick of fat on it pop writing. Which is and, fine. More of this. Yeah, and I must say, I'm actually quite impressed. It's like literally, I think, like two seconds over three minutes. And, uh, yeah, 
I, I quite like this. They've, they've admitted themselves they've been on an absolute 80s binge. Oh, and a bit late to the party, guys. Come on. Well, rather, but you know what? It does if, feel very 2006, I agree. Yeah, but, yeah. If you, if, but if you're turning By out... By way of 1986. For me, if you're turning out singles that sound like they could be written by, like, Stock Aiken and Waterman or something, uh, that's not necessarily a terrible thing. Um, I don't know. I Look, just Lady Gaga put out a new track this week that was just so... Gaga by numbers. Yeah. This was a welcome, you know, like, counterpoint. I'm like, this is... Gets to the point quickly. Doesn't really. Doesn't try too hard. It's you know. It's a straightforward to the point where like I mean like, like even like the the list of things that Cullum listed off there might as well be like what you'd find in like a fucking frozen drink or something. Yeah. Where it's like these things are designed to make you be like, oh, this is great. Oh yeah, and I mean like the video embraces it as well. Yeah. If you've seen it, it's, it's very it's colorful, pure, just colorful yeah. Yeah. 1980s MTV stuff. And uh, and yeah, they've openly admitted that kind of like this is their pop album, so to speak. Uh, there's been another reshuffle in the band. I was actually reading. They're not. A band, so to speak. Of, yeah, oh, she's yeah. the only one contract. Well, the the one of the founding members, I think, a drummer came back, yeah. and him and his brother took off about four years ago. And the brother was just like, yeah, the rest band are just like riding on the coattails of Haley's, you know, whatever ambition. So it seemed like a pretty bad falling out. Yeah, they're all but just kind of hired hands. Come back, yeah. Either way, the record is out on May twelfth. It's called After Laughter, and about a month later, they'll be in the Olympia Theatre. So uh, we'll see you there. I'm gonna go. Yeah, of course. Let's do yeah. it. Let's go. <laughs> okay. Up next, uh, a former guest of the show, Elaine May, with "The Color of the Night," the title track off her new EP. Yeah, we had Lane on a few weeks ago, and she talked about this record coming out, and she talked about this track in particular and how it was especially personal to her, dealing with feelings of loss and grieving. And I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I was expecting something slightly different, slightly more conventional, and I was quite surprised. Not I mean, surprised might be the wrong word, but I mean, like, like, like this is a considering the themes and the, like, and even hearing her talk about it, it's brave as all hell because I mean, like, this is a short track as well, mm-hmm. and. Like the, the sting in the tail, the kind of the twist here is that the vocals don't come in until quite near the end, and when they do come in, they make their point w- very resolutely. But it's mm-hmm. it's it's kind of blinking, you'll miss it, and you kind of almost have to go back and go, well, no, wait, 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 what what did I just kind of experience there? Because it kind of plays by its own rules. I think it's very brave. I think it's very confident, and I think it's very very good. Yeah, I think it builds together extremely nicely as well. It kind of introduces the different strands early on in the track. And then brings them together into something, I suppose, approaching a crescendo, especially when the vocals come in. Uh, yeah, I was really impressed by this song. I like it a lot. Yeah, no, I thought it was great. It's just really effective. And I, I was kind of just, I was enjoying it and not expecting, as you say, those vocals to come in. And they really just, uh, you know, make their point and then leave. And you're kind of like, not reeling, but you're, okay, I need to put that on st- straight away. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. To, yeah. Me, it, to me, it had like an instant, like, I have to put that back on right now. And especially, like, you know, like, like I don't know how, about you guys, but, like, with Tracks of the Week, I often find that, like, you know, you're kind of juggling them, like, at least on the day of recording, uh, yeah. where I'm like, okay, I need to go back and hear this one again a few more times. But this one was more of a natural kind of, you know, like, rhythmic thing for me, of just going like, no, no, I, I need to hear that oh, again. Oh, yeah, very much Not so. for, like, you know, just work reasons, but also because I was like, oh, I, I, I don't think I quite appreciate what was going on there and I, and I think like it's interesting because in dealing with what this track deals with like it's because she had said before she said that she'd only really sang it once or twice up until this point and 
I guess it's interesting to kind of meet, you know, like the, the themes in earnest here and kind of be respectful and reflective of what she's dealing with. But at the same time, you're wrapping it up in, as I say, like a sub four minute, very accessible track, yeah. which, you know, like the meaning of it could just totally be a secondary well thing. we've talked about that before haven't we the ability and indeed we'll talk about it later in the show too but the ability to kind of deal with heavy subjects in an accessible way i suppose and something that's actually still enjoyable to listen to even though it might be you know dark or, or heavy or whatever and uh yeah this is a good example of that it, it's it's a very difficult thing to do and it, it's a heck of a skill to have yeah i i guess with those kind of synths i mean they remind you of that ambient kind of electronica maybe late 90s early 90s where it was mm-hmm. quite quite kind of melancholic anyway and like end of the evening i know this is heavier subject matter than you know just some dancey kind of come down but i think that sound lends itself once you do get that hit of the lyrics and the vocals coming in where you're kind of primed a bit for it and you're in that mood um but no i just i thought it sounded great uh really enjoyed it yeah and the ep gets a live airing in the workman's club on may the 5th so if you're around in dublin i would recommend heading along let's close out the tracks of the week with some good old-fashioned rock and roll royal blood they're back nickelback's favorites the song is called lights out lights out for the career of Royal Blood. No, I think they'll be grand, sadly. Um, yeah. Nickelback savers, are they really? They slagged off Nickelback on Twitter and the Nickelback oh, like, uh, was absolutely rinsed You see, them. I was just assuming that was the Black Keys, but no, the Black Keys was Jack White, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. They're all just yeah. in this swirling vortex of bluesy riff rock. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, this did nothing for me. Uh, it's kind of it, like it's kind of like when Muse try and get a bit groovy without all the kind of craziness and you know flying saucers and stuff around, around it. But it's just such an uninteresting riff. This is the thing. I mean, like yeah. it, when it gets that sort of like instrumental bit. I mean, you couldn't quite call it a solo, but you know, at least it shows something. Like yeah, yeah something. This is because the rest of it, and I'll I'll tell you exactly my feeling when I heard this. And I know you guys have been in this position. This is the song that's playing in the festival tent when you're walking towards and go. Actually, I might just get a burger. (laughs) You know, this is four o'clock in the afternoon at Electric Picnic, Electric Arena stage or something like, you know? Have a spot down in Rankin's Wood. This is... There's like, and there's a kind of little drum break. I like the drum break as a drum Oh, really? I thought it sounded like a donkey kind of stumbling over drums that get their own moment. So clumsy sounding, no? I thought it sounded really good because I thought they beefed up like the production for that moment and like, again, hello, I'm a fucking drummer. I'm into Nine Inch Nails, that kind of like, and, and that's Tom Heavy and like has like a, a well-tuned snare and gets, yeah, it gets its own little moment to shine. I'm biased. <laughs> Do you know why I didn't like that? Because I think it's so formulaic in terms of they it were like, formulaic. we need to slot something in here. Yeah. And I think all of their songs are like that. They are. So they're just like, okay, we've got a kind of riff that sounds decent and we're just going to stack it next to that. Now, I know actually if you break down every song ever, that is how it's kind of constructed. But, no, 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 but there is something about, there's, Ro- there's something about Royal Blood where, where it's weird. Like there's a homogenousness about it. Do you know what it is? Strange. And I can't remember what a reviewer said this about them years ago, but they're like a band 
formed from like rock band the video game <laughs> sure. you know what I mean it's yeah, like yeah, they've yeah. been playing away into things then they got some real instruments and they're just like okay now we're going to just replicate that on real instruments and have massive careers it's like the stripes an obvious gimmick I suppose well the thing is with the stri- white stripes is that sorry the stripes <laughs> the, the stripes. stripes it's actually more like the white stripes in terms of like the bare bones nature things sure but the kind thing, of parody thing the thing where that worked was that Jack White's actually a very good songwriter and they've an interesting kind of aura about them and he's a good vocalist whereas this guy is just like very wishy-washy um doesn't really rise above the kind of riffage around him and as for the stripes thing yeah i suppose that's, i was talking to i was talking to well. a friend of mine today and she said like you know uh they don't make me want to start a band or even evoke the emotions i come to expect uh, with music to me they're a band <laughs> that you listen to where you're not really into music but you like music if that they makes don't sense sound like music that's quite a but this they is don't the really. thing there's a certain there's a real there's a weird disconnect world but like for, for example right i mean like I didn't mind this at all. I found it fine to throw on while I was kind of like, you know, doing something else. And I felt that way about anything that they've ever done. I can't understand how you could be passionate about Royal Blood. Every now and then... There's nothing wrong with them. Yeah. But how could they possibly inspire you to be like, oh my God, they're the best band. They're just... They're a band. Well, it's very... It's it's, it's, it's simple. When you live and die by the wrist, if you get a really good one, then you're away in a hack, basically. And they've done that probably once or twice. That figure <laughs> yeah. it out song. They're, is a they're good really tune. big, though, aren't they? At this point, they're, or they're getting there they're anyway. Big, yeah. Yeah. yeah, they're big. Yeah. I just, yeah, I, th- I agree with the whole casual rock fan. You know, got your jeans on, done up to the kind of waist. Maybe voted for Brexit. Listening to this, no, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> but they're in, and I suspect that uh, album number two. Is there sophomore effort, I believe? Yes, it, it is, is indeed. Yeah, we'll, yeah. It's we'll, called How Do We Get So Dark? I think it will chart well. And I think it will be reviewed well in the likes of Enemy and that kind of thing. And yep. like, yeah, don't begrudge the two lads. Fair play. They make a big sound for, for two guys. But it's just all very generic to me. Yeah. So June 16th for that one. You mentioned things uh, that are going to get good reviews. One album has had people falling over themselves in the past week. Kendrick Lamar back with Damn. This is what it sounds like. That is DNA from the new record. It dropped uh, about 10 days ago by the time this podcast is released. So we've had a good long time to spend with it. Um, Like I say, some people very, very excited uh, within hours of the album's arrival. Yeah. With a little longer to contemplate. How do we feel? I'm enjoying it. Um, Yeah, it's it's getting lots of repeat plays for me. Uh, Kung Fu Kenny. He's really in, um, you know, a classic rap, 90s rap mode on this album. And you know what? Controversial enough opinion for me here, but didn't hugely love to pimp a butterfly as an actual listen, like a a whole way through. Sure. Can I get a record scratch there, please, Alan? (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, I I think it's fair to say, and a lot of people will say that, like, to pimp a butterfly is not an easy listen. It's an exhaustive it's and challenging. Also exhausting. Listen, I yeah, and yeah. tremendous piece of work. 
But, yes, it but, is. But you don't throw it on to chill out. It's very sure. accomplished, and it instantly became like that classic album where I think it's going to be more admired, certainly by me, than it is played. I mean, there's some great stuff, but even when you go full jazz like that, I mean, it, it it's such a long record to get through. There are bits that are jarring, and uh, and you it know. feels you know right from that cover, you know, the cover of the record where I mean, it, it's a great shot, but it's like trying to be iconic and then you end it with a conversation with a dead Tupac that's brilliant <sighs> I love that really I think it's I, I think it's excellent why do you think it's excellent I think, because I, I think it manages to break through the pretension barrier and become actually profound oh man how many times have you listened to it in the last year in the last year yeah zero yeah yeah. <laughs> oh you see you see I, I do listen to that album to be oh, no, honest no, that and... track zero but like, I listen to the album like, I mean, like, where is this very, very enjoyable. Yeah. And I'm very, very much enjoying it. Um, yeah, like, it's... it's. I don't know. It's, I think some people have been underwhelmed just because it is that thing of where do you go after that record. Sure. Um, and he has ditched, to a large extent, the kind of jazzier, outlier sound of that and, you know, drawn it back to... You know, funky enough, but sometimes it's kind of like a... I don't know. It, it's got a slight menace to it, but it's also like, you know, the ghost of like a cassette memory of g-funk it's kind of like a weathered out modern g-funk thing um but yeah i, I don't know it's, it's it's a smooth kind of listen he sounds very very angry and not even angry but kind of resigned on it it's an interesting one lyrically because it seems that he's reversing his if not his opinions then his outlook on the world from yeah. the last record which i think people are struggling with a bit i feel he sounds quite comfortable in a way on this and I don't okay. mean in terms of complacent but I mean in terms of he understands his role and his place within music and even within kind of political discourse I mean he makes no, wastes no time in bringing up the kind of the Fox News criticism and blah 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 because he now recognises you know he's not just another artist he is an extremely important voice in, 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 in terms of the kind of the, 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 the cultural landscape Um. I saw somebody kind of suggesting that this is, you know, him kind of peeking from behind the curtains. I feel it's quite the opposite. I feel this is Kendrick very much taking kind of a central role in all of it and not second-guessing himself. He used to have this fascination with sort of trying to interpret things in a relatively kind of objective sense. Mm. You know, he'd, he'd voice his opinion and then think, you know, and what does this look like or how would this be viewed and blah, blah, blah. Whereas now, you know, there's none of that. It's, it, it's just him, basically. I wonder if the Kung Fu Kenny thing as a sort of an alter ego is an easy way of kind of doing that. Yeah. I mean, it does strike me as possibly his most personal work, which sounds bizarre, but yeah, it is that thing of... And certainly when it's getting later in the album as well. Yeah, and I don't know if I agree with the comfortable thing because he does talk about his frustrations of becoming this iconic, you know, voice. And he's quite flippant at times where he's just like, you know, I was trying to raise, you know, black artists, but, you know, some of them are just rubbish essentially or black blah, blah, artists, blah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's not his best ever rhyme. Uh, but <laughs> I appreciate the point. But I think on a lot of this, his despondency at times and his struggles with... I mean, the religious aspects of it being like where he's almost saying everything that is wrong with the world that he kind of discussed um, from a social you know, aspect uh, on the last record. He's now saying, well, is this just God? Am I Job? Am I just being constantly tested? Um, it's a weird kind of dark Deuteronomy pop album and uh, quite confessional, but um, a lot harsher at times than, I, than the last one, I thought. 
Well, first up, I should say that on the show last week, I very much kind of said I predicted that this record would be a dud, that it would yeah. suck. Yeah. And I was being facetious. You know, I was being <laughs> knowing sure. what. No, I was. I mean, I, I was being facetious de- Dave. deliberately knowing, kind of being like, you know, but like, I didn't expect this to be dreadful or nothing. But I just kind of thought, based on the run up, it's very underwhelmed by the hard part four and by Humble. And, you know, I like, I'll cut to the quick here. It certainly doesn't suck. <laughs> like, far from it. Yeah. And it probably never was going to, really. I don't think Humble works still. Really? I, just, I don't. See, this is interesting. I don't think it works. I think sat on this album right after Loyalty, which is the Rihanna feature, and then a song called Pride, mm, which is amazing. very much Bedfellow. Yeah. I think Humble takes on a completely different sort of context. It definitely has context, but I just I just don't. I, I, I think it drags it down. Uh, this record is, is a very interesting one, and it's difficult to really kind of know even where I stand, even to like, you know, a week on. Because, I mean, like, uh, first of all, I mean, like, oh, I know I'm repeating myself here, but, like, it just frustrates me when I see five-star reviews sure. up at half twelve <laughs> on the day of release. You're like, how can you possibly arrive at that conclusion? Right. It's nonsense. We know that, yeah. But I, but I, I just feel like there's such a hard-on for Kendrick Lamar at the moment, and... Rightly so, for a lot of reasons. He's brilliant. But I feel like a lot of people are just leading with their heart and not with their head. And I kind of w- wish there would be some kind of correlation there. Well, provide he, it for us, Dave. Well, Let's not, go. Well he's, yeah. well, he's not infallible. I mean, like, this record is not five stars. This record is not 10 out of 10. This record is not perfect. It has duds. It has missteps. Uh, on a personal level, um, I was waiting for it to be something different. I think the first track, and the first two tracks, Blood and DNA, are some of his best work. Yeah, uh, the it's o- quite the opening, yeah. The opening is so evocative, it, it creates such an atmosphere instantly mm-hmm. that it sucks you into it. And I was waiting for something. I was expecting the rest of the record to follow suit and stitch together and have those sutures. But it doesn't quite have it. Like, it, it, it threatens something otherworldly and strange and almost like, you know, is Kendrick in purgatory now? Are we in his headspace as he's dying? Was he shot in the opening track? Mm. Instead, you just get a bunch of jams. Well... And for the most part. Now, granted, there is, like, you know, it does... There is an overarching story here, but I this is the one instance where I would have I, I, I would have welcomed skits and interludes a lot more than there are because just I, to break it up, so to speak. But to kind of go back in there and, and give me more of, of 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 where he is in the first track, because there's something so strange and cinematic and like or something out of a great novel in that opening where I'm like, fuck, this is like there's something here, and then it's just like DNA comes in, and I think DNA is one of the best songs he's ever written. It's brilliant. It's, it's absolutely yeah. it's absolutely phenomenal. It's flawless, and then, you know, it's kind of a little bit diminishing returns as it goes along. And not in a particularly overt way, but you're just kind of like, by the end of it, when he does return, he does dovetail this record with, yeah. you know, like um, <sighs> like where he's at at the start of the record. And I don't quite feel like the the in-between totally syncs up. Yeah. I don't know. We, that's as a, a narrative. That's the thing with Kendrick. And actually, it feeds into your thing of immediate, like, five-star reviews. Like, I don't think anyone's parsed through these lyrics enough to actually fully understand how... Because there is there is these kind of sutures and points on the record where we might not get a full explanatory skit, but there's kind of b- backwards recordings and lines that we're hearing flipped. And the way you have those gunshots at, at the opening and the closing... And, you know, closing with this story of how, a quite insane story, actually. Oh, yeah. Um, if it was father was nearly killed by that, his boss. That, tra- that track, dog. by the way, Duckworth. It's amazing. I amazing. love it. It's for, and it's such an example of why we should really care about Kendrick. Oh, because absolutely. as much as you can go, okay, he's been crap on a few features and he's being lauded to the hilt, it's because he can do this. Oh, I mean, like, know? in terms of a, a story, storyteller, in yes. terms of a storytelling track, I mean, I was trying to think, I mean, like, 
something since Nas, basically. It, ha- it that has that Nas that thing well, to it. Yeah, like, yeah. Really does. It, it's very difficult. But yeah, I, I, I agree with Dave in terms of I don't know how what the line true is in every track, but I've no doubt there is stuff there, and I haven't figured out what point of view he's occasionally talking from. I think a lot of it is about, is about disconnection, especially as yeah. you say, Craig, like where he kind of recognises that he's sitting on a throne of sorts, one which has been tainted and poisoned by recent events in the world, and how like you know his world has been flipped over, as have those who really look up to him as something of a, an iconic figure, and he gets that across very well. I mean, like for example, like I mean, like. Like, with Blood, like, a wonderful skewering of the horrible Fox News, like, culture. Yeah. To use their quotes against them so well by just presenting them plainly. And they come across so ignorant and so just horrible. And then, like, you know, to reference Geraldo Rivera and his totally asinine comments about how hip-hop is, is worse for black people than <laughs> oh, racism. Unbelievable. It's f- phenomenal, isn't it? Like, how could you possibly... And of course, do you know that Geraldo Rivera has responded to this? Yeah, oh, yeah. No, In an 18-minute Facebook video, uh, he started off by saying, aside from Drake, in my opinion, Kendrick Lamar probably is the best hip-hop artist out there today. So you're like, cool, stop there. Yeah. But he doesn't. Uh, he says, hip-hop is the worst role model, it is the worst example, it is the most negative possible message. And what's the point of it? I mean, you sell records, I get that. You sell records, I get the stuff is, you know, popular. But it avoids the central reality, just as Black Lives Matter avoids the central reality. Oh, there you go. He goes on to say, I know the real danger to real black men and real brown men now is that their role model was thinking about cops being killers and the system being stacked and there's no chance of advancement and all the rest of it. Uh, he, he said that the issue of police brutality pales in comparison to the ghetto civil war that's being waged around America. And says, I have no beef with Kendrick Lamar or anyone else in the business. Oh, thank God he didn't start a beef with But him. if you don't have a positive attitude, you're dooming yourself to a life that you profess to despise. So good to know that Geraldo Rivera learned nothing I mean, to from... Be, keep hiding behind that moustache, Geraldo. To, to be fair as well, like in this week of all weeks, I think we should uh, recognise that listening to any of the mouth flapping of some... St- Stupid Fox News yeah. dickhead. Absolutely. I mean, right. like, like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, like, like, there's no... I no one needs to be convinced. He, yeah. He's buried himself six feet under there. And I do think that, like, Kendrick taking the high road and, you know, kind of using his art to provide a criticism, he does it so well. And DNA is fucking brilliant. Like, it's an incredible song. But there's yeah. a point where, like, I mean... He has a line in one, in one of the tracks, I think it's Yeah, or maybe it's Element, where he says about his niece... And he says, oh, like, yeah. he says, my niece sees me on TV and mm-hmm. she like flips out. And he's like, well, that's who I'm, you know, that's what I care about. He's like, you know, I'm not using like myself as this brand to be like, you know, this kind to sell people, to deceive people. Yeah. Yeah. This is, and that to me was a real human moment. And it was great. And those little moments, obviously Duckworth is packed with them as well. Yeah. And they're the moments that interested me the most on this record. That and the idea of some kind of, you know, what's really going on here. Which, of course, you know, we people took this to extremes when people thought there was going to be a second album. Yeah. Two days later on Easter Sunday, like, you know, Kendrick dies and rises again and turned out not to happen. But I, I, I quite loved that. I, I thought it was fun to watch people kind of run away with themselves in that regard. Oh, yeah, I'm glad it didn't happen. So because am I, because yeah, I, I think it would, detracted I, I think it would dilute this record, yeah. much like Blonde diluted Endless a bit. And, like, granted, you know, Endless, I think, is a great work. But I just feel like... If you if you want to cobble together a narrative, really, and I always do with records, to me this breaks up into three parts, and it's the first four or five tracks, yeah. then it's the next kind of almost six tracks, yeah. culminating with uh, XXX, which of course features U2. With Bono. And then, Sparingly, thankfully. And then, yeah, he's barely in it's it. Very, then, yeah. It's very well done, I think, actually. Well, yeah. well, okay, well, in terms of features, the Rihanna one's fine. 
It's grand. Yeah, it's grand. I like it. I mean, I it's like a it. radio hit, but I, it's actually... Do you know what's good about it is it, because it could be a very simple radio hit dealing with kind of, you know, loyalty, blah, blah, blah. But the way, say, Drake would do that song would just be like, huh. as he did in like, you know, verbatim on his last record where he's just like, I can't trust people anymore. I'm sad. Whereas yeah. Kendrick makes it about the whole issue of what you're committed to and who you can actually... Like, he's just such a different tier as a lyricist. That oh, yeah. Even that is quite subversive if it becomes a big radio jam. And Rihanna kind of raps on it as well, which is cool. She doesn't do that enough. And I think she kind of softens Kendrick's delivery oh, yeah. somewhat. I mean, she's great on everything, really. Yeah. Throughout this record, that's one thing that I suppose may kind of stand in the way of being a, an easy arc to spot, is that he changes his delivery so well mm. from sort of angry barking to just like gentle drawling or whatever yeah. even sometimes even within the same song it, it's outstanding Pride Humble and Lust is where the record kind of loses me a bit oh I, Pride's amazing see, I think they're great I, I think Pride's good I think Humble still sticks out like a sore thumb Lust, Lust is kind of sonically not that interesting but I think as a character study it's very good I think it's a bit of a snoozer and I mean like I like Love uh, like with, like, with Zachary yeah, on it which nice, sounds actually. you know kind of almost yeah. like Frankish a, sounds like a Bieber yeah. song um, here and there Bono, I don't need him. Like I, I really like. He that doesn't hook. embarrass himself. But I don't need him. The lyric is really good on it as well. I thought, I yeah. thought it's a nice I th- idea. I, th- I thought it was trying too hard to be like. It is Bono. To, no, but in general, I, I thought that song was, was trying too hard to paint see, t- this image like of America as this kind of you know, vaudeville nightmare. But he's already done it. Like like that to me was. We we've gotten this already from what you said earlier, and now you're saying it for the cheap seats. Uh, I don't know. I, I disagree. I think the atmosphere of it was really intense. Was yeah, good. when those sirens drop. The yeah. siren drop is amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is brilliant. Yeah. But I just feel like like I like the correlation in that track. I don't think quite syncs up. No, it's by I, no means a failure or anywhere close to it. I just think it's a bit of a bumpy road. Yeah, no, I, no. I, 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 I think I, this I, album ultimately registers as a bit of a bumpy road, and and, and I, I wonder if I'm going to change my mind on it because I like there's so much here to absolutely love and fall in love with. Mm-hmm. And I do find it a lot more replayable than To Pimp a Butterfly. I, th- I think it's I think it's a smart move to not try and do To Pimp a Butterfly 2. Very much so. Um, I think this is the right move for him. And I think it's an album full of individual highlights. And yet, from start to finish, I do find my attention waning. And it's, okay. it's weird because like there's so much directness here. And again, as we said before, like it goes without saying, but we'll say it again. His command, his ability is... I mean, it's... Yes, there's no one to touch him. I mean, but there's just something here where I was like, I, I think it's, I, I think you know, I'll, I'll say it. I, I think I'm the problem. Uh, I feel like <laughs> with everything. Well, sure, why not? Uh, with with this podcast, at least. But uh, but no, but on this record, it's I mean, like, rips off the mask to reveal he's Geraldo Rivera. <laughs> it was Geraldo all along. Well, God, damn well, you for a year. I can't grow facial hair, so you know it's not me. I just really fell in love with those opening two minutes so hard that I prop myself up for something that didn't come right okay well isn't this like and every relationship you've ever tried to enter Dave maybe the problem is with you. <laughs> had to do it come on after the problem Ooh. was with me 7.5 out of 10 for me uh, <laughs> this I, I really really enjoy I really enjoy this record I agree that it doesn't have some of the gravitas I suppose of To Pimp a Butterfly but it, it's eminently listenable, listenable it's enjoyable as I kind of mentioned earlier, the ability to sort of address something substantial, but then make it into something that can be, you know, a bit of a banger. Mm. You could put this on at the summer barbecue, you know. Well, we're like, back to the summer barbecue. Back to the summer barbecue <laughs> test, yeah. Are the three of us going to do a summer barbecue where we all come at it from different musical styles? Oh, yeah. yeah, let's, let's Why not? do that. Yeah, we can okay. make that happen. Um, but yeah, no, th- this... 
record is very, very good. I am going to say 8.5. Oh, and I'm going to say something similar. I'm going to say 8. Um, I think, to sum up, Good Kid, Mad City is still his best record. <laughs> um, but no, I, I think this has a lot of replay value. Dave, I hope you kind of stick with it. Um, because I hope that we're still friends after what you just said to me. <laughs> I mean, stick in there, Dave. Let's end with the the, the, the question that a lot of people my seem job, to be throwing my around. Dropped. My jaw <laughs> actually <laughs> dropped. It, can we say <laughs> is he the goat of all time? No, no. He didn't write Elmatic. <laughs> Fair, yeah. Um, I, 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 I don't know. I'm, I'm starting to think he might be. I mean, he's his level yeah. of versatility. I think is he's going to get better as well. That's why I was kind of in the run up to this album. I was thinking, "Oh God, am I gonna am I gonna be tired? Am I am I not gonna dig this?" No, this is very interesting for me. I thought this was the right step for him to take at this particular yeah. moment in time. Um, and while he doesn't have that kind of booming, kind of really charismatic voice of uh, Pac, I think lyrically he's as good as it gets. All right, uh, what else should people be taking a listen to? Well, I should reiterate, we mentioned it last week, the album from Talos is out now. Yeah, it's out now indeed, it is. Wild Alley, and last week on the show, Rory Bantam said that he reckons it's a surefire first ballot for the Choice Prize next Mm. year when it rolls Mm. around. And I I gotta say, I mean, it'll it'll take 10 particularly great records to to knock it out of there, because this is an excellent debut, and if you've never heard him before, just dive right in. Uh, I I don't think you'd be disappointed. Uh, Apart from that, um, I've been listening to a couple of records, which I'm not going to tell you what I think of them. (laughs) Because <laughs> uh, we'll probably be talking about them in depth on the next episode. Because there's a day, May, May the fifth, right? Like apart from Elaine May playing that gig, there's so much music on, on that day. It's actually ridiculous. There are so many albums coming out. It's very hard to kind of parse it down. But I've been focusing on the new album from Horror, the debut. Oh nine 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 nine, as they're also known. <laughs> United States of Horror, and also at the drive-in, their first record in seventeen Your years. Boys. My yeah. boys. <laughs> That's kind of what's been on my stereo. It's going to be an angry review section next week, kids. And because I'm going to give you some of the thoughts on those next week, I'll hold back for now. Yeah. Okay. Um, I've been listening to jo- Joey Badass's new one, and I have to say I'm quite pleased because we were kind of waiting to see if he'd, you know, deliver. Um, All-American Badass is kind of, I mean, it's not a masterpiece. I mean, it's, he's not approaching Kendrick level at this moment in time. And he does kind of grapple with a lot of political and social stuff that can be a bit on the nose, but it sounds great. It's an update of that 90s thing. He was that retro thing that he had to leave behind a bit, I think. And in terms of his voice, he's sounding really strong. So yeah, very good. Check that out. Yeah, I do like that record. He seems to be maturing uh, Mm. a little bit. Um, But yeah, not, not quite at Kendrick's level. Not quite. Just yet. Well, uh, gentlemen, thank you. Thank you. Good Craig, to be back. Craig, thanks so much for that. Did uh, we survive this? Is our relationship going to go on? I'll think about it. That bombshell at the end. Okay. <sighs> we'll see. It's quite the bombshell. <laughs> it's only half true. <laughs> 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 so, okay, uh, my boys, my lovely, lovely boys, thank you so, so much. Until next week. Uh, as always, we will play out with some Irish tunage. And it's one of my boys. It's one of Cullum's boys. It's Cullum's best boy, I would say, from Cork. Why don't you lead this one in? Yeah. For to- all time's sake. Toby Carr, he joined us uh, back yeah. last summer on the show. What a summer uh, it was. <laughs> now based in London. <laughs> summer of Toby. <laughs> and yeah, he's released a new track. He said he's had it for a while, actually. Um, it's called Promises. Uh, vocoder Heavy. And a bit of a banger. It's a banger. It is a banger. I like it a lot. My name is David William Hanrady. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore. 
Here's Toby Carr. See ya. Where did it go wrong? I just wanna know 
podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. The sweat of nervous virgins, it's an amazing tipple. Celebrate this July 4th with a special presentation of A Capital Fourth. Join your host Vanessa Williams with performances from Sea to Shining Sea, starring Jimmy Buffett, Gladys Knight, Alan Jackson, Cynthia Erivo, Pentatonix, Renee Fleming, Train, Jennifer Nettles, Mickey Guyton, Jimmy Allen, Ali'i Cravalho, Laura Osnes, Ali Stroker, and the greatest live fireworks display in the USA. It's A Capital Fourth, sponsored by the Boeing Company and American Airlines, Sunday, July 4th, 8, 7 Central. Only on PBS. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.